0: The road to the cross was a physically torturous, awful, gruesome, terrible, terrible, terrible thing. But the weight that was upon Jesus wasn't the cross. What was the weight upon Jesus back? It was our sin.
1: Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, this is
0: Jim Scudder. Welcome back to In Grace. And today, uh, we're going to be talking more about the road to the cross. And I'm sure you've heard the song, the Via Della Rosa. Uh, Maybe you've been to Israel and you've walked the Via Della Rosa, the the, the road of suffering uh, there in the old city. And there's been a uh, centuries after Christ, uh, the tradition of 14 stations of the cross, which are extra biblical for the most part. We don't know the location. I'll, I'll address that at the beginning of this message. But we do know that Jesus went from Pilate's Hall to Golgotha, and that was a journey, and we know he carried his cross some of that way. Now, there is a so-called discrepancy here that we're going to address today, where one gospel said he carried his cross, the other gospel said that someone else carried his cross. Well, (laughs) I think you'll understand how easily this one is resolved, and that's one of the things we're doing in the series The Story of Jesus, which is a chronological look at the life of Christ using all four gospels. But again, This one is not a problem at all, and it actually helps us understand what would have happened there on the final few hours before uh, Jesus died. And what a sad moment in history uh, to be convicted by Pontius Pilate. And he's going down in history as the most unjust judge, uh, where this man before him was literally innocent, not of any crime. He never sinned, but yet he was convicted. And even Pontius Pilate said three times he's not guilty but still convicted him. Now he's going to the cross. He had been beaten. He had been flogged. He'd been hit. He had been spit upon. He had been mocked. And all of that he did for you and for me. And now he's going to pay the ultimate price. And some people think that the the agony of the cross, the agony of the flogging uh, was the worst. No, no. The worst was he had sin upon him. The one who knew no sin was made sin for us. So I hope that that recenters you today. Maybe you have some sort of problem with your family with your boss, with your car, with your job. All of these things are going to be insignificant today after we remember what Jesus did for us and hopefully that will recenter us to be more worshipful and thankful, even in the midst of whatever trial you're going through. It's nothing compared to what he's done for us on the cross. Okay, we're going to get to that in just a second. You've been hearing me talk about Mike Pompeo. Uh, We're having him at our church, the Quentin Road Baptist Church, and many of you live all over the country, and we're thankful for you. If you don't live close by, you can still watch Mike Pompeo. He's the 70th Secretary of State. He was the director of the CIA. He was a congressman, and we're, we're delighted to have this evangelical Christian in our church, and that's going to be in about a week and a half on March 12th, and we want you to either come, we're in the Chicago suburbs, or listen or watch live. Now, if you are in the area, there's also a VIP breakfast that you can get tickets for, but the main session is at 11 o'clock Central Time, and there is no charge to come and hear him. I'll also be interviewing him live on stage for an In Grace episode, so we're excited about that. Go to our website for more information, graceradio.com There is a route, if you go to Israel, if you go to the old city of Jerusalem, there is a route called the Via Della Rosa. Via is the way in Latin, and Della Rosa is uh, suffering. So it's the way of suffering, and it's a road that many Christian pilgrims take to follow after the supposed route of Jesus. The problem I have with the Via Della Rosa, I know it's a beautiful song. I love all of that. Uh, Some of you are going to be upset at me for what I'm about to say. Um, uh, The Via Della Rosa was established in the 18th century. Uh, Probably all I need to say about that, right? And there's 14 supposed stations of the cross. Now, we do know certain things happen from Pilate's Hall to Golgotha. I believe Golgotha is where today it's called Gordon's Calvary or the Garden Tomb. That's my own opinion. Others believe it's at the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Um, there's still debate on all of that, but either way, we do know that he was outside the city walls. He would have been on a major road, and it would have been a look like a skull behind him. But we don't know the route. But the Via Della Rosa, the traditional road, is marked by 14 stations of the cross. We do know that Jesus fell, Tradition tells us that he fell three times. According to John, he's carrying his cross as he leaves the Pilate's Hall. And so three of the stations of the cross are where Jesus fell. Uh, one is where Mary, his mother, was watching her son and wailing. There was another station that a woman wiped his face and they still have the, the artifact, I guess, supposedly. And uh, But these are all tradition, okay? And I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm I'm certainly have no confidence that these are right. So that, you know, whenever you find stuff that isn't in the Bible, just be really, 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 really careful. I just stick to the Bible. Be careful about tradition. Be careful about other things that people say that we don't know for sure are true. But we do know some things that happened on the way. And one of them is what I just referenced, and it's called Another Contradiction by Skeptics. They say the Bible can't be trusted because you have all these contradictions, and many of them are in the Gospels. Now remember, we've been going through this series. This is part 130, my 130th sermon that you've been listening to me on uh, this life of Christ. But we've only seen a few a small handful now today we saw one earlier in the message as we were talking about the color of his of the robe that they put on him but again that's easy to understand different perspectives different descriptions no big deal this one is interesting because only John says that Jesus was carrying the cross Matthew Mark and Luke say that Simon of Cyrene carried his cross So what is it? Is the Bible wrong? Did Jesus carry his cross or did Simon of Cyrene carry his cross? This one's actually another very easy one, okay? Let me reread you John's account. John 19, 17 said, and he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull. So we know for sure John is saying Jesus left Pilate's hall carrying the cross. Now was he carrying the whole cross? Some people say it was just a crossbeam. The whole cross, some people say, weighed 300 pounds. So could he have carried 300 pounds or dragged 300 pounds after being beaten, mutilated, and lost blood and weak? I don't know. For sure he was carrying the part of the cross, for sure. The Bible says cross, which is actually the the word that would describe the post or the main part of the cross. But either way, that to me is a big issue here. He was carrying the cross, according to John, and I believe that he was as he was leaving. I believe that he was so weak he couldn't carry it very far. And that's why Matthew, let's read Matthew's account, Matthew 27, 32. And as they came out, so Jesus is leaving Pilate's hall with the cross. He's carrying it. He can't carry it very far. He gets as far as he can and he probably collapses. He probably did fall there. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene. Where is Cyrene? Well, it's a it's a Mediterranean city on the, the coast of North Africa. So was he Jewish in for Passover? Why was he there? We don't know any really anything about him. Now he's in scripture. Was he there because he supported Jesus? Was he just a, a bystander they just happened to pick? I don't know, but he's mentioned. And actually, another passage, they mentioned his sons, which is really curious. But we'll, we'll have to wait to, to get to heaven to figure out all the details about Simon of Cyrene. But it says that they compelled him, from Matthew 27, 32, to bear his cross. So we believe from that point on, it was Simon of Cyrene that bore the cross, but Jesus was bearing the cross, and John was right as he was leaving. So it's not a contradiction anymore, is it? It, it all makes sense. They all line up. There's no problems here. Just because the other ones did not say Jesus Uh, carried it doesn't mean that he didn't. At least he carried it for a portion of the way and he's so weak he couldn't carry it anymore. Now I will tell you Isaiah 53 verse 4 talks about the weight pressing down upon Jesus. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Think about the weight pressing down upon Jesus. His whole life, he knew he was born to go to the cross. The road to the cross had to be so heavy because he knew he would become sin for you. It wasn't the pain, although that was awful, that humanly uh, speaking, you cannot come up with a more torturous and physically painful, awful experience than what Jesus was going through. The road to the cross was a physically torturous, awful, gruesome, terrible, terrible, terrible thing. But the weight that was upon Jesus wasn't the cross. The weight that bore down upon Jesus, that Isaiah predicted, he's borne our what? Griefs. He's carried our sorrows. What was the weight upon Jesus back? It was our sin. It was our rebellion. It was our uh, pride. It was us thinking of ourselves and not thinking of other people. All the bad things we've ever done, all the bad things we ever will do, all of our bad thoughts multiplied by the billions was upon Jesus. I did not fully appreciate this. I did, but I didn't until I was at the Grand Canyon. I'm going to show you a picture of Dr. Andrew Snelling. He is standing at something that is called by evolutionists even, the great unconformity. The rock that he's sitting on, he describes as creation rock. There's no fossils. And then right where his shoulder is, there's a change in the rock structure. These are now fossil-bearing sedimentary rocks. All of a sudden, appears all of the fossils on up. Nothing below. No fossils. So that's creation rock. Above it is all flood destruction layers with full of fossils and evidence of all of that being laid down by water. It's called a great unconformity because there is a pretty clean line between those two rock surfaces. Now, according to evolution, according to uniformitarian explanations of the earth and geology, right on that line, there has to be millions of years. Thousands of years for sure. If there were thousands and thousands of years on that line of the great unconformity, why isn't there more erosion? Why aren't there more? Why isn't there evidence of that? We're coming out with the Ingrace series that we filmed there, and you'll learn more about him and myself standing there. But a mile above him is layers layers after layers after layers after layers. He said that he pictures that as our sin. And the reason he did was because everything above that was flood destruction. And the the reason the flood came upon the world is because of sin. So all the weight upon that line, the great unconformity, all the weight upon the creation rock, Jesus is sin. Think about the tons and tons of pressure bearing down upon Jesus. It was a poignant moment as he read to us from this place, Isaiah 53.
1: You're listening to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. Are you interested in the end times prophecy of the rebuilding of the Jewish temple? Then you need to watch InGrace's new video series, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. Jim Scudder Jr. will take you to amazing sites like the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock, and the land on the Mount of Olives purchased for the sacrifice of the red heifer. Jim Scudder has exclusive interviews with experts and people involved in rebuilding the temple. This new series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to InGrace. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to witness prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes and see how all of this impacts our world today. When your gift is $35 or more, Jim Scudder will also send you an incredible eight-part video series called Armageddon's Dawn and a beautiful end times prophecy chart. Don't wait. Get this video series today. To order The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple, call now, 800-78-GRACE, or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Matthew 16, verse
0: 24. When Simon of Cyrene was compelled to carry the cross, I believe what we have here is another lesson for us. Matthew 16 and verse 24, Jesus had been teaching earlier to his disciples that if any man will come after me, the Gospels describe Jesus going first on the road to Calvary and Simon of Cyrene following him with the cross. That's a picture of Christians. We are to follow Christ, and when we do, we are going to have to carry a cross. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Some people think once you put your faith in Christ that your life is just gonna be great and easy and everything's gonna be wonderful, but they don't realize that serving Christ is hard. It's rough because Jesus was mocked. Jesus was made fun of. Jesus was humiliated. Jesus suffered. And so why would we think if we're following him, we would have any different life? It is not unusual for Christians to go through trials. I'm not talking about trials that you caused by doing stupid things. I'm talking about real trials because you serve the Lord. There are many places that if you preach Christ, you are going to be arrested. When you serve the Lord, you're going to have these trials because of your following after Christ. But let me tell you this, serving Christ is not easy, but it is worth it. Whatever the weight that is upon you because you're following Christ, think of it as a privilege. You get to follow Jesus. Carry your cross. Simon of Cyrene, we don't, again, know much about him. Mark tells us that he was the father of Alexander and Rufus, and There is a tradition, and again, I just warned you about being careful about traditions, but there's a tradition about Simon of Cyrene, and that is that he took the gospel to Egypt and he died a martyr's death being sawn into because of his faith in Christ. Again, that's tradition. That's not Bible, but it's interesting. Whatever comes your way because you follow Christ, it is worth it. That's the lesson here. Now, another thing that happened on the way to Calvary is told by Luke. So let's look at Luke's account, Luke 23, verse 27. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. So Jesus is going from Pilate's Hall to Golgotha. It had to be a half a mile. I'm guessing he he went all the way across what we call the old city of Jerusalem. It, It was the city of Jerusalem in the day. It was some distance. Remember, the the roads were paved, so probably slippery. He probably didn't have shoes. And he's going along. He's very weak. He's bloodied. He's mutilated. They couldn't even recognize him. And a group of people were gawking and following and mocking and ridiculing. But within that group, Luke tells us there was a company of, of women. There was a group of women, and they were lamenting and bewailing. They were mourning. Who were these women? Well, later in the story, we're going to find out that there were a number of women at the cross watching. Mark 15 tells us that in verse 40, there was Mary Magdalene. Remember, she was the one that Jesus uh, cast out seven demons. Mary, the mother of James, the less, and and Joseph, Joseph. There was Salome. Salome was the mother of James and John. And we also know, of course, that Jesus' mother, Mary, was part of that group from another gospel. So we know, and it also says in verse 41 of Mark 15, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem. So just, sometimes we just think it was 12. But the number had swollen. The 12 were his disciples that would become apostles other than Judas. But he had a lot of people following him and a group of women. The Bible elevates women. It was a woman that witnessed the, the, the promise of Jesus coming. It was Mary. It was women here that were lamenting and mourning him on the road to the cross. It was women at the cross. And it was women that were the first witnesses of the resurrection. Uh, what I'm trying to say is the Bible elevates women. Jesus elevates women. And here these women were, this precious group of women, wailing because of the travesty that was happening to Jesus. And I think also wailing because of the fact that their people, the Jewish people, were allowing the promised one to be crucified. And what does Jesus do? In verse 28 of Luke 23, Jesus turning unto them. Remember how weak he was, how mutilated he was. Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me. Can you imagine this? He's not thinking of himself at this moment. This is all I'd be thinking of is myself. He's not thinking of himself at this moment. Weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, uh, to the hills, cover us. There's great calamity and horrible things coming upon you, Jesus is saying. Verse 31, for if they do these things in a green tree, in other words, in a prosperous, good time, relatively good time for Israel, what shall be done in the dry? When it really gets tough, when it really gets hard. And you know what, I think he was predicting two things. One is the coming persecution of the Jewish people, which is going to be worse than the Holocaust. We should not allow it. We should stand with Israel. We should support them. But it is still coming. And the destruction that came upon them just 40 years later after Jesus, history tells us about the Romans coming and surrounding Jerusalem and starving them. It was going to get so bad that the, the hungry men that were trying to defend the city were going to take the food from their children and from their wives. It actually, they, they say it got so bad that they actually killed and ate their own flesh and blood. That's what Jesus was worried about. Uh, one person said, while they were weeping over the injustice of one man's death, Jesus, he, was looking ahead and grieving over the terrible destruction of the entire nation, a judgment that was wholly justifying. And we'll end with this Luke 23:32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. The road that led to Calvary was paved with drops of blood. Jesus was put onto the cross to die for our sins. Now, it's hard for us to imagine it because maybe you've heard the story a lot. Maybe you've seen the story a lot. But it was gruesome. It was hideous. It was horrible. It was, it was sickening. But he did it for you. He did it because of love. You might not understand why a lot of things happen in your life the way they do, but I'll promise you one thing. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when Jesus was put onto that cross and he hung there, suffocating, already mutilated, already in incredible pain, he did that for you. The road that led to the cross was for you. And if you will trust in him, believe in him, you will be saved from those sins. And then we get to learn how to serve him and follow him and take up our cross and, and, and do whatever he wants us to do. It's a glorious life. It's not an easy life, but it's the best life. Well, we'll just... Uh have to wait till Monday to come back to this story of Jesus, the cross, and all that he did for us. It is just unbelievable. And tomorrow, we're going to be featuring the third part of our brand new series on the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. So we hope that you'll tune in for that. And then if you'd like to watch it, uh, you can get the DVD or digital download of this exciting three-part series where we uh, follow the red heifers that just went to Israel, from Dallas to Israel, and we interview the rabbis that were part of that. We did one of the interviews on a piece of land that they secretly purchased on the Mount of Olives for the ceremony, and we talked to a lot of other people about rebuilding the temple. So, this is predicted in the Bible, and we are following that and and reporting back to you. I think you'll really enjoy it. I I think it's one of the best uh, series that we've put together, and you'll understand how that relates to us as New Testament Christians as we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So, you want to get this, a gift of any amount to grace, Your gift Make sure more people hear the gospel, you're investing in grace, and you're getting this great three-part video series. Now, if your gift can be $35 or more, more people will hear the gospel, and we're going to send you an eight-part video series on Bible prophecy called Armageddon's Dawn. And with that video series, we're going to send you a prophecy chart. So you're going to get these three great resources that will help make you more informed about the end times.
1: As a thank you for your gift of any amount, Jim Scudder will send you the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple when your gift is $35 or more. He will also send you his eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn, and a beautiful end times prophecy chart. Order the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple by calling 800-78-GRACE. Go to our secure website, ingraceradio.com, or write to us at In Grace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at In Grace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on In Grace Radio.